everybody, this is Joel Junker with Cameron Brooks, and welcome to another episode of the Cameron Brooks Podcast, Above and Beyond. In this episode, I interview uh, Cameron Brooks alumnus Pat Mesta, who is a brand manager at Stryker, in their surgical instruments division based out of Kalamazoo, Michigan. Pat's a West Point 2012 grad, former Army infantry officer who transitioned in 2017. He had a great uh, interview success. He interviewed with 13 companies. At our August 2017 conference, nine companies said yes to him, wanting to move forward to the next step. He ultimately had uh, several offers to choose from and chose to go to work for Stryker. So I thought in this this uh, episode, I would take some time to ask Pat for some interview advice and what he would tell other JMOs making the transition. He's got some great advice about treating every interview if it's, as if it's your only interview opportunity and wait to make decisions until you have all of the information in front of you as you'll learn a lot as you go through the interview process. So enjoy the episode with Pat. You can find Pat on LinkedIn. Again, it's Pat Mesta. And look at the, uh, the Cameron Brooks blog or podcast section or website. You've got the, some of the links that you can find out more information about him there. Enjoy. Pat, thank you so much for taking time this busy Thanksgiving week for uh, speaking with me and, and sharing your story with our listeners. Yeah, thank you, Joe. I really appreciate you having me. Well, can we start off with uh, just, just tell tell the audience a little bit about your military background, um, and and then we'll we'll talk a little bit next about your decision to transition. But you know, give us a you know academically, where'd you go to college? What'd you study? What'd you do in the military? And we'll pick up from there. Yeah, sure. So um, I uh, I graduated from West Point in 2012. I studied history there, so I was a history major. And I decided that I wanted to branch infantry. So graduation day, commissioned as an infantry officer and spent my first year in Fort Benning, Georgia for infantry basic and ranger school. And then I went out to Fort Lewis and was stationed there in Tacoma for about four and a half years. And so I started my transition uh, right around the, the, the five to five and a half year mark. Um, so kind of the quick, quick review of a military background. What, um, and I think there's a lot of people that are listening to the, to the podcast that are curious about transitioning. Um, what would you talk, what would you say to somebody that's in the, uh, leaning towards getting out, uh, um, or thinking about getting out and I'm just unsure if I'll be successful. I'm a little nervous. Uh, about what's on the other side and uh because i this is all i've known you know i went to west point served four or five years and so that's nine ten years that i've all this is all i know what would your thoughts be to that person yeah i i'd I tell them first just to to be confident in what they've done and the success that they've had in their military careers because a lot of it does translate and while you may not have some of the maybe technical skills that um, you know, companies are looking for, and, and in some cases you may, um, for me, I didn't. And, and I've learned most of that in my time on, on the job training here at Stryker. So, um, you know, companies are looking for leadership qualities. They're looking for people that are driven, are ambitious, are goal oriented. And I think that's something that's harder to find than just someone with technical skills. So, that would be my biggest thing is 
the one takeaway is be confident in yourself. You're going to learn a lot in the process and you have to have an open mind, but but you should be confident in what you've achieved so far and in your ability to translate that into corporate America. Um, when you started thinking about making the transition, how did you think through like how you wanted to make the transition? Meaning you could, there's a lot of different ways to do it. You could go to MB, full-time MBA school. You could, um, you could go to several different type of job fair type of events or use multiple recruiting firms, somebody like Cameron Brooks, and the list would go on. I guess those are the top ones. What did you consider? And then how did you net or come out at picking, working with a recruiting firm and specifically Cameron Brooks? Yeah, so I, I actually initially was thinking that I was going to go to get an MBA and, and I, around that time, um, was looking at different schools to go to and maybe what I wanted to, to get out of an MBA. And I, I just didn't feel like I knew enough about what I wanted to, to do outside of the Army to make an MBA work for me. So that was the reason I ended up kind of shifting over to a recruiting team. And I specifically chose Cameron Brooks because of the relationship with people like yourself and and Robin Pete and having some guidance along the way. Um, I thought that was the biggest benefit, just having those kind of whatever it was, quarterly uh, check-ins where I could kind of explain what my thoughts were, bounce ideas off of you guys. And, and it led me to, you know, sort of gradually make the transition. And instead of feeling like it was this kind of insurmountable task that I was going to have to take on by myself. What what did you when you did the pro con analysis or you know in your world when you were in the military looking at the course of action and evaluating MBA versus getting out and going straight to business how 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 did you come to the conclusion that getting out and going straight to the business was more in line with your goals and what you were looking to accomplish Sure I think um first I I knew that an MBA was going to be a huge investment and um the thought of spending a lot of money on on an MBA without really knowing what I wanted to get out of that MBA uh, was a little bit daunting to me. And so my thought was, why don't I go and and figure out what I, or, or at least try something in, in the business world, figure out if I like it. If I want to go get an MBA at a later point, that would be, you know, more beneficial because I know exactly what I want out of that MBA and I'll be in a place. Uh, financially, where where it makes sense that I know that I'm going to get a return on investment. Where, um, you know, initially I just I just didn't feel like it was an option that was going to lead me in a in a certain direction that I could foresee before starting an MBA. So, I really wanted to give the business world a shot first and and work with a company, figure out what I liked, what I didn't like, and then maybe see if reevaluate. Um, getting an MBA later on. So that more aligned with, with what I was trying to do. Um, and what did you, you talked a little bit about, you know, when you, you working with Cameron Brooks, you chose part of this because it really took some of the, it seemed insurmountable to do it all on your own. Um, what did you find the, the value in leading up to the career conference? You know, not just the career conference, we'll come to that in just a minute, but you mentioned like interaction with, with Cameron Brooks. If you could take that phase of your experience with the Cameron yeah, Brooks so program, I, what did you like about it? So, so I liked the the periodic check-ins with Cameron Brooks. It was extremely beneficial to me. I 
was the same way when I was in school. I preferred having several deadlines leading up to the final deadline instead of, you know, just having all this kind of period in between and then being at the deadline where you have to deliver. So that's what it felt like to me. It felt similar to working towards, you know, deadline for a final paper uh, turn in in school or a final project where I was able to periodically check in with you and Rob and Pete. And at each check-in, I had learned more and more about myself, but also um, corporate America and maybe potentially roles that I'd like to do. And I was able to bounce ideas off you, ask questions. And I think there's the self-learning that comes with the, the mini MBA program where you're able to identify what your strengths are, what you need to improve upon really helps you understand potentially what roles you would fit well into and maybe others that, that aren't such a great fit. So it was more like a one and a half to two year learning experience for me, mostly where I learned about myself. And I think that's the first thing that you have to do before looking at, you know, roles that you potentially want to go into because you got to identify whether you're a good fit for that or, you know, maybe if there's there's something else out there that's better. So having the, the check-ins, the, the program to follow the guidelines was extremely beneficial instead of coming up to, you know, close to terminal leave and feeling like you've got all this work to do uh, to complete the transition. How did you, um, how did that help you when you started? Because you had like, I don't know, 14 interviews at the conference or something like that. How did mm -hmm. you determine, how did that, those conversations help you determine what you wanted to interview for and then select which companies you wanted to do follow-up interviews with? Yeah, so I, you know, I think based on the type of interactions that I had with you and, 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 uh, Rob and Pete, where you guys had identified certain things that I was strong in, maybe certain things that I you didn't think I'd be a great fit for, or that I you know didn't have strengths in. And for me, it wasn't you know engineering or highly technical roles. It was more commercial related. And because I'd had those conversations with you beforehand, I felt confident going into you know the sales or marketing interviews and knowing that this was going to be a good fit for me because I had already had those discussions with you. So. Um, I think it gave me an extra level of confidence in my interviews, knowing that, you know, if I'm able to do well in this interview, this is going to be a good fit for me. And I, then I, at that point, I just got to hope that the company likes me as well and I can evaluate if I want to do a follow up. So the first part is, you know, being at the conference and having having the, the confidence to to know that you're in the right interview and that you can do well in this interview because you've already vetted out, um, you know, whether you're a good fit with with the Cameron Brooks team. Um, the follow-ups, I think, you know, I, one thing I, looking back, you have to keep in mind is uh, I think you're interviewing that company as much as they're interviewing you, and you have to do the same. You have to be evaluating the people that are interviewing you and the company itself to know which ones you want to go on a follow-up with and, and which ones, you know, maybe are, are not the best fit for you. So it's as much of an interview process for the company as it is for the candidate, and you know, I think because I had the time leading up to the conference, all these things to think about, I was able to, to figure that out in the interview because I was I had done the work before the conference. So that that's a huge part of it too. What was the you know, and I think what you what you are alluding to is you got to determine the right or not alluding to you're directly saying you're going to find the right fit, and there's an evaluation process that happens and you're being evaluated but you also get to evaluate the companies 
as well. And I'm just going to throw in the old Cameron Brooks adage, evaluate them after the interview and not during the interview. I know you weren't necessarily saying that, but just in case somebody's coming to the next conference, I wanted them to, to hear what you really mean is that you're looking for the right fit and you get to do that and you get to do that in, in, but don't be in the interview evaluating them. Um, Cause obviously you didn't cause you crushed the conference. You had a lot of companies saying yes to you. What do you think it was about you that allowed you to have such a successful com- conference? No, I mean, you're a hundred percent right, Joel. I think that that's, the key is that you have to go into every interview and it sounds very cliche, but you have to treat it like it's your only interview. And there were, you know, there were some companies that I interviewed with where, you know, initially I didn't, I didn't know if I'd be a good fit for them. And, um, you know, just looking at the the company backgrounds and maybe what the type of work you'd be doing, but then you get into the interview and you may connect with the, the interviewers really well and think, well, you know, this is, this is the type of company that I'd want to work for. So if you have it in your mind that, you know, you don't want to work for a certain company and you haven't even had a chance to sit, sit down with the people that you're going to be interviewing with, that you're just doing yourself a disservice. So I, I honestly think that having that mindset is what allowed me to be successful at the conference. And you, you absolutely have to treat every one of those interviews like it, it could be a company that you're going to work for. And why put yourself in the position where you know, they're saying no to you. You want to be able to look post-conference when you're evaluating your follow-ups and who said yes to you. Yes to you. You want to be able to make the decision um, who you want to do a follow-up with, not the other way around. So I, I think having that mentality is crucial. Yeah, that's exactly what I. That's such great advice. I make that point to the candidates all all the time when they're interviewing. That going to the interview and give it everything you have. Don't make a decision before you go in because then they're going to make the decision for you. And you have much more, many more options um, after you 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 know get as many yes as you can. You'll have a lot better opportunity to make decisions, and you're more empowered. But if you try to make decisions while you're interviewing, you're going to lose the option to make decisions. It's super hard to get people sometimes to think that way. But I think in general, once they get a few interviews under their belt, they start understanding the importance of leaning in and uh, really connecting. How did you talk about your experience of the career conference, the follow-up interview process, and how that led you to selecting Stryker in a marketing role specifically? Take us, take, take the listeners through that piece. Yeah, so um, I had, uh, like you said, I think 14 interviews, and Stryker was actually my first interview of the conference and it was it was yeah it was for an operations role where i was going to be the the position was to lead a team on the manufacturing floor and i had already done some research and knew that striker was one of my top targets um and so i my thought was well this is you know this is great i get the interview with striker it's not necessarily um i guess at the time you know i didn't even really note exactly what type of role I would be best in, but um, I knew manufacturing as being an operations team lead wasn't necessarily at the top of my list, but I knew Stryker was a company that I, I really respected and liked. And so I went into that interview really just wanting to win over uh, the interviewer and give myself a shot at a follow-up. And ultimately it turned out that way. Um, and, and further along the 
the process it ended up being you know turning into a marketing role based on the fact that the interviewer said you know you mentioned that you are maybe more into the sales or marketing positions well we've got one open for you so i that was a huge takeaway for me and that's something that i've told other candidates that are about to go to the conferences just because it's a position you know that that you maybe are not interested in um if it's the right company that can make all the difference and hopefully the the interviewer recognizes that and they put you in a position to be successful ultimately i think all the companies want are they want good people that are talented and driven and if if they think you're that then they're going to put you in a role where you're successful and they're not going to try to fit you into something that doesn't necessarily work for you where you can't thrive so i i think again it goes back to treating an interview like you know it's it's the only opportunity you have because that operations role turned into now you know two and a half years in marketing at striker such a great point and i've seen so people um lose opportunities because they've made that decision i'm not interested in it and they can get in there and the company will recognize something else it's just a, such a real life data point of why it's important to just give every interviews if it's your only one connect and the role will avail itself to you or the other thing though is to keep in mind is that you're also still protecting your brand you never know if you might not go to work for that company but your path might cross with that person you interviewed with. And so you're, it, you're also still building your brand, even if they, it's not the right role. Another reason why of, of uh, really giving every interview is if it's your only interview as an option for you. Yeah, I think that's a great point. I, I have noticed that um, the network of veterans, uh, you know, especially at, at these larger companies is, is smaller than you'd expect and like you said you never know when you're going to cross paths again and um, it's definitely in your best interest to go in motivated treat everybody with respect and you know and give give those interviews everything you got because you don't know when you're going to see that person again so tell now tell us a little bit about your career at striker and what you do in, in marketing and you're in kalamazoo michigan so walk you know just share the listeners if uh the the tell me about pat mesta uh, as a marketer at Stryker. Yeah, so I'm I'm in brand management at Stryker. We really have two different uh, sects of marketing at Stryker, where there's there's a downstream marketing team and upstream marketing team. I'm on the downstream side that focuses more on the one year marketing strategy for a specific brand. So as a brand manager. At the end of the year, you set the brand strategy for the, the upcoming year. And then your day-to-day -day activities and the way that you execute align with that strategy. So it's a nice blend of setting strategy for not only the marketing team and the things that you're going to execute on, but also driving Salesforce behavior. And then within that one-year strategy, there's a lot of day-to-day -day execution. So you're frequently communicating with the Salesforce. You're identifying what their biggest challenges are. You may be going out to customer presentations and you get to do ride-alongs where you're actually spending time in the OR or wherever around the hospital your products are used. So it's a nice blend of travel, of being able to execute on strategy and developing strategy, but it really focuses on, brand management really focuses on that one-year period uh, of marketing activities. Um, and how does your 
how do you feel like your junior officer leadership experience relates to this role? Uh, you know, especially you're not leading a team. You're an infantry officer, platoon leader, executive officer, probably types of roles. Um, doesn't seem like, oh, that, that really closely relates to brand management. Yeah, so I think um, when I started out, I, I didn't have anybody uh, reporting to me. Um, as a brand manager, I was just responsible for the brand, but I realized quickly that you have to do a lot of leading by influence because there are many different functional areas within the organization that you rely on to get things done, and they're often looking to marketing as the final approval. So the legal teams, the regulatory teams, sometimes you've got people in engineering or in, in manufacturing, oftentimes you're working with the, the demand planning team to make sure you have enough product available to, for the sales force to sell. So all these people are looking to the marketing lead as one of the final approvers and they're getting direction from you because you've set the strategy for the brand and they are kind of the, the supporting cast. So um, like you said, I didn't have a team, but I had to know how to influence those people. And it actually reminded me a lot of, you know, for those in the army of being an executive officer where you may not necessarily have the direct reports you did as a, as a platoon leader, but you have all these different functional areas that rely upon you um, and that you have to influence in order to, to get things done. Um, any, you know, we were chatting in the beginning, any advice that you would have for, you know, junior officers as they transition into business or maybe you wanted to share with the advice that you just recently received to people for to others that might be listening to this that are starting their career in business sure yeah i you know i think we in the in the military get really accustomed to certain career timelines and we adhere to certain expectations on the roles that we should be doing and um, you know, the, the timing that corresponds with those roles and, and progressing. And I think, you know, one of the things that I heard from one of our senior leaders recently, he sat me down and he said, you know, you've got potential to be a leader in the organization, but you have to decide what's best for you and what's right for you and what's right for your family. And that really stuck out to me because it's often something you don't think about in the military. You just kind of accept the fact that every three or four years, whatever it is, you're going to get a promotion you're gonna move, you're gonna go on to a new position, but it's very different. And if you don't necessarily wanna keep, you know, I guess it's not necessarily progressing, but if you don't wanna keep assuming more responsibility and you would prefer to do a certain role in, in business, then that's okay. And that's ultimately up to you. And I think you have to do what's right based on what you're, your passion is and what where you think your strengths are and also what your family needs so if, you know if you don't want to necessarily make a move across the country every four years you don't have to um sometimes that's what's required if you you know in a larger company if you want to take on more responsibility but uh in many cases it's not so i that really stuck out to me as a really great piece of advice because you know i I think oftentimes you get stuck in the mindset that you just have to do whatever the army or military or even, you know, now the company tells you to do, but ultimately it's your decision. Um, and any other thoughts or advice you want to pass on to people who are thinking about the transition or um, kind of early stages of their transition process as we wrap up the podcast? 
Yeah, I'd say there's there's a ton of people out there, you know, including the Cameron Brooks team, but also a lot of veterans that have transitioned that are willing to help. And one of the best things that you can do starting out is just reach out to those people, network with them, and get as much information as you possibly can because there are so many people willing to help, and you're only doing yourself a disservice by by not getting all the information you can on companies, on different roles, on you know different places to live. So. I'd say if you can network, that's probably the most valuable skill and the thing that'll benefit you most in the transition process. Um, when you, uh, um, Pat, when you look at your future career, what do you, or currently even what you're doing now, any other thoughts on like what you're doing on self-development you, you pass on? Like, cause I know you did a lot of self-development thinking about preparing for the transition. Last tip on like, hey, continue to develop self-develop and maybe what your best practices are. Uh, sure. Yeah. I So I recently read a book called Finish by John Acuff, and he actually spoke to us at one of our sales meetings. And what I liked about his book and his overall approach is that, one, it's in a very relatable context where he makes jokes and it's funny and it's easy to follow along with but he's also just a regular guy and he's sharing his best practices on accomplishing goals and one of the takeaways that i i really like to apply from his book is that we we're all great at starting things but we're not really good at finishing and too often we celebrate starting things but not finishing goals and so i think if you can give yourself two to three things that you want to accomplish and really focus on finishing those and, you know, setting deadlines and congratulating yourself along the way in that process. That's something that I pick in a way that, that I really like because too often I think we take on all these things, but we end up not finishing any of them. So prioritizing and really focus on, on completion is, has been really beneficial to me. Uh, great, great feedback. Pat, you've been a, great guest. Thank you so much for taking time to do this and happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. Be Have a safe trip to see your family. Again, thank you for all your generous support of veterans making the transition. Thanks so much, Phil. Yeah, I hope you and your family have a great Thanksgiving too. And yeah, happy to help anytime. All right, Pat, take care and thanks again. Maybe we'll have you on again in a few years. Sounds good. I'd love to. Thanks, Joel. I appreciate it. Again, thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of the Cameron Brooks Podcast. More episodes coming to you in 2020. We're excited. We should pass our 100th episode this year as well, so we're excited about that as well. We're thinking of some options to make this a a celebratory podcast, one of the 100th one publishes, which we think will be June. So tune in. Stay tuned to more episodes. Learn more about Cameron Brooks. You can find us at our website, cameronbrooks.com, our book, PCS to Corporate America, which you can find on Amazon. 